0: The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 18th chapter. Glory Glory to you, you, O Lord. Then Peter came and said to Jesus, Lord, if my brother or sister sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, seventy-seven times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, the Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay me what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. And he went and threw him into prison until he could pay the debt. So my Heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Beloved family of God, grace and peace to you from God our Creator and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Uh, A couple weeks ago, before school started, my family uh, took a a little trip out to the eastern part of the state, and we uh, hiked some trails around the St. Croix River, And, and at each of them, we had an opportunity to take off our hiking shoes and wade in the waters of the river a little bit. My kids were all about this. They could not wait. They could not get their hiking shoes and their socks off fast enough to get down and splash In the water. I was a little less enthused. You know, could maybe even go so far to say as I was a little curmudgeonly about it. It's not that I don't enjoy the rivers and lakes, sure, but like we still had some trail left, you know, about a mile or so left, and I didn't want to hike with wet feet. You know how the socks get wet, and they, there's just no way to dry, and if they do get dry, they get sandy, and there's just no way that ends well. Right? I was getting in the zone. I wanted to to finish the hike up strong, keep forging on. I didn't want to get in, but if you asked me for a good reason why, I'd kind of be hard-pressed to tell you. I've been thinking about this all week as I've been looking at this text from Matthew, So we pick up right where we left off last week, with Jesus teaching his disciples the way that they are to communicate and act among one another in Christian community. Now, Pastor Aaron preached so wonderfully last week about that reconciliation process that Jesus outlines when a member of the community's sin against one another. It's a beautiful vision of community, but then Peter kind of bursts the bubble of it a little bit. But in doing so, I think he asks a question that so many of us naturally moved toward. Cool, Jesus, forgiveness is great. I'm all for it. But what's the limit? Like, forgiveness is awesome. But like, how many times do I need to forgive before I can start kind of plotting some revenge? Well, like six, seven times. What's the what's the limit here? Which, to be fair, like six or seven times is a lot of times to disrupt and damage a relationship and then forgive. Peter thinks he's being lenient here as many as six or seven times. Jesus responds, not seven, but seventy-seven. In other places, he says seventy times seven. By doing this, Jesus isn't just trying to expand Peter's capacity to forgive. He's not saying, ah, it's a little bit more than that. The threshold is a little bit higher. But he's completely doing away with the image of forgiveness as a scoreboard. It's it's a common picture of forgiveness that we have, right? A kind that tallies the count of how many times we've sinned against one another or someone else has sinned against us. How many times we have forgiven others? How many times we have forgiven? Right? There's an, an image of faith that I think that's prevalent in our world where you count all those up, you tally them up, and you just hope the balance comes out fairly even. But if Jesus' comments to Peter start to unwind that notion of a God who keeps score, then the parable that follows does away with it completely. He tells a parable of a king who wishes to settle accounts with his servants. And he begins with a slave who owes 10,000 talents. Now it's important that we understand the amounts of money that Jesus puts in the parable because he speaks in hyperbole throughout this because the amounts of money that he talks about are so insurmountable that here's how it adds up. So he talks about 10,000 talents is how much this slave owes. So if we start out, one denarius is about a a day's wage. Right? What one could be expected to earn for a day's work. One talent is about 6,000 denarii. Okay? One talent is about 6,000 days work. (laughs) One talent is equal to working every day for a day's wage for a little over 16 years. The slave owes 10,000 talents. That's a day's working wage, working every day for 60 million days. Right? Like, it's, it's over 100,000 years worth of work. It's almost like Jesus is saying the slave owed one gazillion, jillion, quintillion dollars, right? It's this, this amount that's so huge that we, we have a hard time even grasping it. There's, it's a number that's so high there's barely a, a conception of how much that is. So this is how much the first slave owes. The king orders him to be sold with his family and all of his possessions and a payment to be made. Now, the payment that would be made from that sale would barely make a dent in what he owed. But the slave falls before the king and says, Have patience with me and I will repay everything. It says the king had pity on him and released him from the entire debt an act of mercy, an act of hospitality that's almost too great to even imagine. And as this slave is leaving this interaction, he sees a fellow slave who owes him a hundred denarii, or like three months' worth of daily wages. Now this same slave, who has just been forgiven a hundred thousand years' worth of debts, seizes this fellow slave by the throat and demands payment of three months. And the interaction unfolds in the exact same way. The slave asks him for forgiveness, even uses the same words that this slave has just used, but he refuses and he throws him in jail. And the story goes on, but I think this is such an important thing for us to zero in on because this person has just been forgiven more than they could ever imagine. Beyond their wildest dreams, 60 million days worth (laughs) of work. And yet they still cling so tightly to what is owed to them that they don't see any irony in that. They're totally separate things for them. What they owe versus what they are owed. And they cling so tightly to what they are owed, they can't cling so tightly to their vision of what being repaid looks like. I think we often think of forgiveness as a scoreboard, as that kind of tally sheet of how often we've been wronged versus how often we've been forgiven. I wonder if a more apt image of forgiveness isn't that of a river. Now, when Jesus speaks of forgiveness, he tells the disciples, forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. We often think of forgiveness as these plot points in our story, these times where we have forgiven and been forgiven, but I wonder what would happen if we thought of forgiveness more as a river we enter, sometimes stubbornly, sometimes when we're too busy thinking about the hike ahead that we don't want to enter the river, right? But I wonder what would happen if we thought of forgiveness as a river where there's this forgiveness that flows to us and through us and moves out toward others who have sinned against us. If we stop thinking of it as tally points on a scoreboard, but start to think of it as this flow that comes to us from God, that we receive from God, that we extend toward others. It seems much more congruent with the way Jesus teaches in the Lord's Prayer, right? Forgive us as we forgive others. There are things that happen almost simultaneously. That'd be great if that could happen, right? If we could snap our fingers and make that happen. But we don't live in that world where we do this perfectly. Right? There's... Sometimes some of us who stand on the shore of a river refusing to enter the joy <laughs> that others have found. There are some of us who stand on the shore of the river while everyone else is finding delight and life because we're too focused on the path that lies ahead or the path that is behind the things that have happened to us in the past that we refuse to let go of. When you think about it, what the slave in the parable is doing. He was living by the scoreboard. I've been forgiven all of this. I was so deep in the red, the slave thinks, that I couldn't see a way out. Now I'm back at even, I even have a chance to move into the black. Good for me, the slave thinks. He was living by the scoreboard, but the king was offering him new life. Was offering him reprieve from everything that was weighing him down. Now, as Pastor Aaron talked about last week, there are times when forgiveness is incredibly difficult. There are times when the harm done has been so deep and the debt collected too large that human forgiveness is next to impossible. There may be circumstances where the most faithful response is to seek the help of a counselor or mental health professional to aid in that process of healing because some of those wounds strike so deep. And there's a need to keep distance from the person who harmed you. But when our own efforts of forgiveness fall short, and they certainly will from time to time, God's mercy is beyond our wildest dreams. God's mercy forgives our debts higher than we could ever accumulate. The truth of this is proclaimed in this parable and certainly in the life and ministry of Jesus. And on the night when Judas will betray him, on the night when Peter will deny him and all of the others gathered around the table will abandon him, Jesus, announces a new covenant shed in his blood, which is poured out for all. For what? For forgiveness. For the forgiveness of sins. So may we be blessed with humbled and softened hearts that seek to love God and our neighbor to the very best of our abilities, as indeed we have been blessed with forgiveness and mercy for all the times we fall short. And so we say thanks be to God. Amen.